3: Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today for the first Bulletin of 2021 I am joined by Laura Bradburn. Welcome back Laura, how are you?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Uh, Hoping this year's going to be a bit more on the up both on and off the field than last year but we'll just need to wait and see, it's early doors.
3: Yes, we will, and obviously the big focus will be on tomorrow's game, Laura, we were just chatting before we came on live there about what we were hoping would happen to Celtic leading up to this game, and I think everybody was of the view that we needed to put some wins together, some performances, get some momentum, um, you know, maybe some new blood in the side, all of that's been done, all of that's been done, and yes, we did struggle in the Scottish Cup final. Um, although it was an impressive first half if you're able to analyse um, the whole match it was an impressive first half but we have put those six wins together I know people class the Scottish Cup final as a draw which um, I'm far more keen to say well we won it so I'll I'll call it a win, a win on penalties Um, Can we make it seven in a row at Ibrox tomorrow? That's a big question Laura um, got to say a massive happy new year to everybody that supported us in 2020. Uh, you see this, you know, similar names, familiar names popping up on the, uh, comment section of the bulletin on a daily basis. And I appreciate all that support. We're going to be building it into 2021. But today I will be taking all your views on, you know, the biggest game really of the season. Um, we've had so many disappointments. Champions League exit, Europa League exit, League Cup exit. Um, Everything seemed to be crumbling around the edges and... You know, the big changes had to be made. Neil Lennon made them. I think there's been an element um, of fortune in the fact that, you know, Sorrow and indeed David Turnbull have come in and made such a difference to the Celtic side. Um, I think yesterday, JP was talking about the high-tempo nature of the performance. And sometimes, you know, a lot of managers talk about tempo and high-pressing and all this stuff. And it seems like empty words, but... When you look at the Dundee United performance uh, that Celtic put in and you compare it to some of the languid performances that we uh, were being served up previously, that is the, you know, that's typified and how to play with a high tempo and a high press. That's what Celtic have started doing. And I think the main reason for that is David Turnbull. So once Laura joins us, we're going to be talking through uh, the team, some of the dilemmas that Neil Lennon's going to be faced with, and there are a few. Um, I think one of the biggest surprises, of course, was the uh, reintroduction of Barcast, just as Laura is reintroduced into the the broadcast studio. Laura, welcome back. I apologize
2: if it drops out again.
3: No, that's fine. Um, You know, it's the 1st of January and these things can happen. Um, I remember a few years ago, the Millennium Bug told us that uh, computers wouldn't work at all and it was just obviously (laughs) a massive (laughs) falsehood. But here we are on the 1st and some people may be surprised that that we are uh, broadcasting on the 1st of January, but we're obviously starting off how we mean to continue uh, within a Celtic state of mind. And I put a wee message yesterday, wishing everybody a Happy New Year Laura, and I says, here's to 10 in a row in twenty twenty one. Um if you'd asked me that maybe four or five weeks ago, I was losing a bit of belief. I was losing the faith rather yeah. than, than keeping the faith. Um if we go out there and win tomorrow, what, what's your, your view gonna be on this? Is is that the, the, the surest sign so far that we can claw this back?
2: I think I mean, certainly, if, I I think it's a lot more definite that it has to be a win. I I think a a loss or or a draw is going to pretty much write it off for us. I think we need to make sure that a win is is what we get. Whether that will be enough, um, I'm not entirely sure, but at the very least, what it will do is keep the hope alive. It will keep, it will keep the belief alive that, you know, because all we can do at this point is keep pressure on them. Uh, We, have to basically win, I've heard you say it I've heard other people say it, we basically have to win pretty much every game uh, between now and the end of the season and the only only way that we're going to win the league is if we do that Um, and that will increase the pressure on them, a lot of their players haven't Saw so out a title victory and, and maybe, maybe by us keeping up the pressure, it'll, it'll make them stumble, whether it's against us or against another opposition. Um, it's the only way that we can p- continue to put pressure on them, I think.
3: This This was a big argument. I mean, I was. Constantly looking at that Celtic squad, Laura. Um, I was rather bemused. Now, I know that we had all the issues with Ball and Golly, for example, which, you know, we're still seeing the effects of that because two of the games in hand that we have is down to him and his behaviour. We've seen the loss of form of some players that we thought we could rely on. Um, there was a big question around Scott Brown, and that's going to come up in today's conversation whether or not uh, Brown had the legs anymore uh, in the middle of the park. There was also the question around the new signings. We brought in six new players it's a hell of a lot of new players to bring in if they're all playing, obviously it takes a while for them to bed in, get to know their teammates, get to know the country, yeah. Un- under difficult circumstances as well, you know because they yeah. don't have the opportunity uh, to socialise as they maybe did before, we had the Lee Griffiths situation but I was still looking at that squad thinking that we were capable Laura, of putting together an impressive run of results, you know we've done it so many times over the last nine seasons, um, you know famously under uh, Rogers, the 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 final game, obviously, was uh, Ronnie Dyla's last game in charge. That was the beginning of a 60-odd game unbeaten run. We have it in us to go on on an incredible run. I know that. So then you start looking at what can we affect. And obviously, there's three games we can affect against Rangers. But then again, you're looking at the January fixtures and, you know, you're looking at Rangers running games Aberdeen, Hibbs, Motherwell and Ross County. Mm -hmm. You'd maybe think that... Should they go ahead and win all four of those games, then we are going to be up against it. But I don't think they will. I think there's been signs in the last few weeks that they can be got at. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what Celtic need to do is get a result tomorrow to start that um, you know, disintegration of momentum, of confidence, and of the winning streak that they've been on, because I take nothing away from it. It's been a, an incredible run of games they've had. An incredible run of luck when you consider that they don't give away penalties and they've not had any Covid casualties, but that's just luck, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I think we, it all starts tomorrow. It all starts tomorrow, Laura, and the pivotal thing will be an hour before kickoff when that team line pops up on Twitter. We then try and figure out the shape. Um, Can you see there being many surprises with the the team selection?
2: I would hope not. Um, I I know there's a lot of debate about Scott Brown and whether he deserves to be back in, basically for the same reasons he was put in against um, Hearts in the Cup final, and that definitely worked. My preferred option would be to go with the team that we have because I think that, like you said, Rangers can be got at and I think if we come out of the gates fast uh, and try and get at them, pressure them, attack them more than any other team will probably attack them in the league. You know, they don't. We don't really know this season what what they're like when they're attacked because I don't think we were very attacking in the last uh, Old Firm match that we played against them. So I think if we get out early, get at them with the the current lineup that we've had for the last few games. Um, we can maybe get ourselves into a position where a a Scott Brown or or somebody like that can come on for the second half and maybe sure things up or at least, you know, stop them from creating anything thereafter. But I think that, to me, the old adage is, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And I think that definitely applies here.
3: I would agree with that. I mean, we... We spoke long um about the Scottish Cup selection, uh, there was the suggestion by Neil Lennon that he would uh, return to some experience, some element of experience and uh, so yeah it was no surprise when Scott Brown started the game, Neil Lennon has gone on to say of course Laura that uh, Sorrow didn't start because he had food poisoning. Uh, so hopefully, you know, he's only eating food that's being prepared by the Celtic chef, uh, <laughs> le- leading up to tomorrow's game. But because I think, you know, in terms of revelations, uh, Sorrow has been unbelievable this season. He's come in just when we needed him. Um, and, you know, you've got to give Neil Lennon credit because otherwise I'd be sitting here saying, why is he not seen that day to day at training? I could say the same about Turnbull. Why has it taken him this long for him to be introduced? And you know, that that would be me being mega, mega critical of the gaffer, if I ever said that. The way I look at well, it think, Laura. I
2: think I I made that point um that when they would only played a couple of games and I think it was a fair point to make. But I think that point gets put to bed when he keeps them in, when they when they perform well. You know, if he had gone back to old ways after a couple of games, with no reason to have dropped them, you could have then said, well, the the judgment it still isn't there. But you have to appreciate that no matter what the reason for them being left out before or the reason for them being included, if they're included and they play well and he keeps them in, you can't criticise him for that.
3: No, definitely. Definitely. And of course, um, as a result of that as well, some of the players who I guess are casualties are the likes of Scott Brown, the, the captain, but also Tommy Rodgick who was starting quite a few games. El Yonussi. Uh these players now um, basically they're going to have to try and fight back in, and they're going to have to, you know, perform particularly well because when you're looking also at the others round about Sorrow and Turnbull in this this diamond that everybody's raving about and rightly so. You've got Callum McGregor, who seems to have been given a new lease of life, mm-hmm. and Ryan Christie. The much maligned Christie at times, who, you know, I always just say if he could just focus um, on one area of that part, Laurie, it would be far better in terms of the team. You know, it's not all about Ryan Christie then. But I think that has lent itself, you know, the the creativity of Turnbull takes a bit of pressure off Christie. Um, The holding play Sorrow allows McGregor to express himself like we know he can. so for me that, that four is pivotal and, and there's a couple of other areas of the pitch that I think we could maybe um, argue the toss on but I think as long as we start with that four everything else round about that I feel um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say it could be tinkered with because I would much rather continue with Griffin Eddy up front mm-hmm. um, I would much rather have Ayer and Julienne at centre half but I know that might be out of Eleni's hands but I think that the most pivotal area tomorrow will be that diamond
2: yeah, and I think that it was made even more apparent against Dundee United. Um, when the substitution started getting made, when Elianoussi and Rogic were on the pitch at the same time, they seemed to get in each other's way. That there was, Elianoussi kept cutting in off the left as he's want to do. I actually think he's probably, from what I've seen of him, slightly better being a kind of, a second striker or a number 10 through the middle. And I don't think he actually likes playing this wide left role, which I think is contributing to why his performances aren't always great. So he was coming into the middle, kind of stepping on Rodgers' toes a little bit. And I didn't think the communication was there. Whereas this diamond, the four, they just, for whatever reason, for a a group of four players who, to my knowledge, have never played very much together, if at all, they just seem to know where each other's going to be, what their roles are, who's coming, who's staying, who's going out wide, who's coming in central. There was a couple of times even, I know Sorrow's role in the diamond will be to break up the play a little bit and to, to distribute the ball, both of which he's really good at. But there was plenty of times that he pushed forward even beyond, um, beyond Christie and McGregor. Um, we saw that with the goal against Dundee United. Um, so, there seems to be a bit more fluidity. I think if you play that diamond the way they're playing, the Rangers midfield won't know who to pick up or where, and that'll just that'll just leave them in a situation where they can't they can't really handle it as far as I can see.
3: When you do look at the analysis of the previous five, six games against Rangers and people think, you know, Gerard has Neil Lennon sussed or the management team at Rangers have the Celtic management team sussed. And it's hard to argue because they have dominated us, particularly in this area, Laura. And I think that's going to be our, our weapon really tomorrow. But the other thing that I've been ultra critical of Celtic, uh, this season has been, you know, the lack of width. And now, of course, two of their better players, two of their standout players are their two fullbacks who, um, I think, offensively are very, very useful for Rangers. And I think it's a case of, do we just try and soak it up by playing two defensive fullbacks or do we try and nullify it by attacking them?
2: Well, I think, I think part of the issue that we have is that I think if you invite pressure onto yourself, <coughs> you create a bit of an issue because... That is the way that a lot of the teams that they've played against already this season will have played against them. They'll have battened down the hatches. They'll have tried to uh, prevent them scoring rather than attacking them. And and like I was saying earlier, I think that we need to attack them, give them something to think about that they maybe don't have to think about in other matches and, and make, you know, a lot of their assists, for example, come from James Tavernier, who if he had, you know, a bit more defensive responsibility than he maybe has in other games. You're nullifying a lot of the chances that they can create from out wide, and the only way you're going to do that is by attacking. So, so my my preferred option is to see, as like I said, come out the gate in the first twenty thirty minutes, really strong, try and rattle them a bit, and see where we get with it.
3: If that that is the case, and I think that's what Neil Lennon will go for, uh, Laura. Are we looking at Frimpong and Luxall very much like the lineup against Dundee United?
2: I would say so. I would say so. The only only sort of caveat to that would be if he's overly concerned about the delivery that Tavernier's got, he might suggest that Taylor's a better option than Laxalt because he is a little bit more defensively minded while still offering something going forward. It might be a bit gung-ho to go for those attacking wing-backs on both sides. Um, So I would say... Probably my preferred option would be to go with Frimpong to give you that attacking option on the, on the right, um, and have Taylor there who does give you the attacking option, but with a little bit more defensive sort of responsibility on a side of the pitch where you're, you're likely to face a bit more danger from the right hand side.
3: Mm-hmm. One of the first, in fact, the first message that came in today uh, was Patrick Murphy, who reckons that we need a big performance from Christie. Um, I can't remember a big performance against Rangers by Ryan Christie. Can you see it coming? I
2: mean, I would, I would hope so. I, I'm more on the the side of Colin as far as Christie's concerned, and I. I for all his excellent contributions, especially um, when he first broke into the team, I think there are too many games where he, it passes him by a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> given his recent performances, I think there's as good a chance as any that he's going to turn up against Rangers. To be honest, if he if he played as if it was a Scottish Cup final, the way he did against Hearts, then we've absolutely nothing to fear because he was absolutely outstanding in that match. and. If we can get a performance, even ninety percent, eighty ninety percent of the way towards that, I think it'll give them some real some real fear.
3: Yes, without a doubt. Now we have lacked the the width that was spoken about. A big part of that was down to the fact, obviously, the long term injuries of Mikey Johnson and James Forrest. Johnson's been in and around his side. We didn't see him against Thunder United. Uh, there's been talk of. Lenny thrown in a wild card. I'm not sure I'm a, a big fan of that, to be honest. I just think I like the consistency, like yourself, Laura, looking at done the Dundee United performance in particular, because over a 90 minute period, I think it's up there with our best performances of the season. And, yeah. um, why would you change it? Why, you know, um, do you, do you see Mikey Johnson maybe being in Neil Lennon's thoughts?
2: The only, the only thing that I think is a problem with that is where do you put him? If, if you're going to play two up front, <clears throat> and those would be uh, Griffiths and, and Edward, you would have to think. We already spoke about how well McGregor's playing on the left hand side of that diamond. Um so I wouldn't I'd be reluctant to take him out. Um I don't think Johnson's done enough to justify a place ahead of Turnbull or Christie, so that rules them out. He's obviously not you know, gonna play in the position Soros in. So that, the only position that leaves you in that he could possibly go in, if we keep the same shape, is at left back. And that's just asking for trouble, in my opinion, because for all he's, he's an excellent player going forward. He provides something tricky. He's not gonna give you anything defensively. And, and you can't play a left back, uh, with no defensive sort of minded traits. And I think that's, that's my only issue. Um, whether you maybe consider playing him up front with Edward or something mm. like that. But I think that would be that's the only other place I can think to put him and I think that would be unfair on Griffiths given his recent performances.
3: I agree with that. As does uh, Lloyd Jepsen, who reckons if we play Griffiths and Edward up front together against them, we will win. We've been looking at different signs, really, of uh, turning this season around, Laura. When did it happen? Why did it happen? Uh, one of the big ones was the introduction of Sorrow and Turnbull, of course. But also, if we look back to last season um, and this season, is the partnership of Edward and Griffiths. How important is that going to be? Uh, surely, Lenny won't break that up tomorrow.
2: Well, I think what it's proved is that um it's taken a lot of the pressure off Edward specifically. He's been off the boil for multiple reasons. Um, And I think the pressure can get to you a little bit when you know that you are almost the sole provider of goals or or at least the sole player that most people will look towards for goals. And while he's been off the boil a bit and, and has missed multiple chances, he missed a lot of chances against Dundee United, even though he, he ended up getting a goal. Um, I think Griffiths being there takes a little bit of the pressure off them, they seem to have good chemistry and be working well together and nobody's in any doubt of of Griffiths finishing ability so I I don't see any reason to change it and also again like I say, I keep going back to this, we can't think too much about the opposition but they will very rarely play against two up front uh, in Scotland anyway. And so, to give them that to think about, and maybe give their defenders a different proposition to have to deal with, it is something in itself to think about.
3: No, I think we're at that situation. We're at that position of the season now. A lot aware. I think it is all about us. It's all about our team selection and let them um, try and combat that because we are we are on form and that's the big thing. And although Rangers have been winning games, I don't think they've they've been doing it with as much style as perhaps they had been earlier on in the season. Mister Briggs, regarding the Brown debate, a lot of the same things were said to justify him playing against them back in October. He got the start and was awful, as were all the team. Play the ones in form, and I think you know that's going to be the biggest disappointment when the team lines are announced. There is still a question, of course around the centre-half positions. Uh, The Mm -hmm. defence as a whole um, has been chopped and changed uh, week to week sometimes through choice, but often due to injuries. And we've seen some brilliant performances by Ayer on the right, Laura. Um, Julien might be forced out. If he is, do you marry up Ayer and Duffy?
2: To be honest, I think it's really the only option. I mean, I don't see what else we can do. We don't have two better center central defenders at the club even if he don't think that that Duffy's up to much specifically or that Ayer is particularly suited to that position. <laughs> Beton it's kind of a makeshift thing for him that I think is only really applicable when we don't anticipate much pressure on the back four. So I don't think that <clears throat> I don't think that that's going to be an option. I would like to be able to say yes, put Ayer and Duffy at centre back and maybe bring in uh or, or even maybe think about bringing in El Hamid, but he's physically probably and mentally not, not ready for that. So your options are limited. Stephen Welsh is another one that you could think about. But again, it's a bit of a big game to throw him in when he's not had a lot of action in recent weeks. So again, like I say, it's a, it's a long roundabout way of saying I don't really see what the other options are.
3: No, you're right. Interesting that you mentioned El Hamid. I was going to bring him up, um, but... When we're playing Rangers, and this goes back, I think, to what Kevin Graham said the other day, um, you want your defenders to defend in terms of big beat on, gets the ball, he's very cool and calm, and he likes to take his time. I don't think that's suited at centre-half against Rangers tomorrow at Ibrox. If no. they're going to be giving us um, pressure, counter-attacks, what you want is you want your defenders to be winning tackles, winning headers. Duffy's the man for me. If Julian is injured, and I think I are, Ayer is is more of the ball player, of course, and the distribution comes from him, and you just want Duffy to to obviously do the defensive duties. But you mentioned Ilhamid, and I was interested to see a tweet yesterday from his agent Dudu Dahan, uh, who basically says that all this chat about um, him wanting away and coming back to going back rather to Israel is uh, fake news. He wants to fight for his jersey at Celtic. What do you make of that, Laura?
2: Well, I mean, if that's true, then then fantastic because I don't think there's a I don't think there's a Celtic fan out there who doesn't rate him as a player and doesn't think that he's he's got a bit of class about him and a bit of physical presence so um if he's willing to fight and if he's willing to stay I would I would love to keep him the only question that that brings up then is what has actually been going on you know mm. what What is the reason for him being out? Has there been a fallout with the management? Has he just not been performing in training? It kind of puts us all back in the dark again because it was pretty well understood uh, amongst most circles that that was the reason that he wanted to go back. And the agent's not going to achieve anything by coming out and denying it because all he does then is, even if it's true, put El Hamid...
0: It's the marketer's report. Not just a media company. iHeart Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
2: In a position where he's under pressure again and, and that kind of thing, you know, if it, if there was any truth behind it, he would have probably kept his mouth shut, I would have thought. Um, so my only anticipation is that he is telling the truth, that it is fake news. I don't know where it's come from then in that case, but yeah, it, it, if if we are going to keep him, or, or if he wants to stay and fight for his jersey, I definitely would would want to hold on to him because I think he's I think he's an excellent player.
3: He is, and of course he can play centre half as well. I mean yeah. we've not we've not seen him very often, but he can he can slot in at centre half. He's played there. He's played on the left as well uh, at international level. So I think that adaptability is key. Uh, like you say, you know I, I do rate him. There's been a couple of occasions this season where uh, he's made errors and we we have been hindered by that but I think on his day he's a very, very competent option so I was surprised to see it I was writing him off very much like I had been writing off Tommy Rodgick at the beginning of the season Uh, now Hugh Jameson let's hope that the mould does not leak the team in advance well Hugh, even if they do it won't be leaked on a Celtic state of mind, that's for sure Uh, Joe Porter, welcome back Joe, you reckon Celtic are going to win 3-1 I'll be asking at some point for the prediction of Laura Bradburn uh, later on in the show. Uh, Helen McCallum, the team selection tomorrow, will be vital if we're going to win or not. And I think that's, uh, you know, when that team line comes in, that's uh, obviously the big one. Is there, Are there going to be any names in there that we don't expect? Alan Robertson, frimpong it right back would be a massive error by Lennon. We need to be able to defend against their threats on our right-hand side. are there, even if Julian isn't fit. I think if Ayer was to play right back and Julian wasn't in then you're, you really are asking a lot of the centre-halves because it's probably going to be Duffy and, and Beaton um, I would hope that we don't throw in players uh, like we had to the last time, you know, Sean McCrory picks up on that point, the last game we played them, we had a depleted squad, you know, Welsh started, Clamala started, we had um, Christie missing and Edward missing tomorrow we are practically full strength you're right, I think the only person that's missing is James E. Forrest. And uh, John is saying that Turnbull will make the difference tomorrow. I think the stage is set for Turnbull to make a difference. I would also love to see... There's a couple of others, Laura, that I think... I mean, someone mentioned earlier, Christie needs a, a big performance against Rangers. Well, I think... Barcast needs a big performance. I think if Duffy comes in, a big performance for Duffy would be pivotal in uh, him regaining his confidence and hopefully some form as well. What's your thoughts on the Barcast situation? Because I've not had a chance to ask you since Lenny came out and made it pretty clear this guy's our number one. How do you feel for Conor Hazard? Obviously, you and I watched him in the final.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the kind of, uh, High of Connor Hazard coming in and having a more than competent performance has kind of died down a bit and people are accepting of of some of his errors and some of his inexperiences. The only way he's going to fix that, obviously, is by getting games. The the issue I have more concern with was Lennon's uh, reasoning for putting Barkas in. He didn't say, I think he's been playing well, I don't think he's had any reason to be dropped or or, or anything of that sort. He said... Uh, I don't have the quote in front of me, but it was something along the lines of he was brought into the club to be our number one and I want him to play. Mm -hmm. Now, is that reason enough to play somebody when the evidence suggests that somebody else is playing better? For me, it's not. For me, regardless of whether there's any pride attached to having brought a player in or any previous plan suggesting that he was going to be number one, if you find that a young player at your club is performing better than him, as Connor Hazard appears to have done, then your plan for your new keeper to come in and be number one has to go out the window. It's the same as every other decision we're talking about here and not changing what isn't broken. Um, you have to go on form. You have to go on performance. And, and for me, Hazard has proved, um, you know, it, the other thing he said was, uh, Hazard needs more experience and, and, we need experience for a game of this magnitude he's just played in the Scottish Cup final that helped mm. secure the quadruple what what bigger magnitude game is he going to play in for Celtic? I would argue probably not very many if any so to me that's not a reason to leave him out either
3: that, What concerned me about that Laura because I am of of the same opinion as yourself now We weren't really tested against Dundee United in terms I know there was a couple of breakaways, we weren't tested in so far as it was make or break on what the goalkeeper did. There was a situation where uh, it resulted in Julien doing his knee. Uh, The goalkeeper, I think, might have got a a touch to that, but again, it it reminded me a wee bit of the Ferenc Varros goal, but on the opposite side, where he's come out to kind of narrow the angle, Um, but it, it may well have been going in. Connor Hazard, uh, as as I, as you've just said, was the number one. He was the number one and the 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 point I would make is 22 years of age, as is Sorrow. Now, the only way that they get the experience is by playing in games like this. So they were thrown in against Lille. European game, albeit uh, nothing to play for a dead rubber for Celtic, no fans at the game. But it was against really, really competent opposition. Very good opposition. And both of them played particularly well as did as uh, Turnbull. Turning point of the season, we'll need to wait and see. But then we go into the Scottish Cup final. He's still got the jersey, which is great. Great for the guy. Uh, building in confidence, makes the saves. I just felt it was almost out of the blue when you know Barkas comes back in and then Lennon gives the the reason that you've just provided well he was bought as the number one so he needs to play I want him to play it's almost as if we've spent all this money on him so we're going to have to play him
2: yeah and I think as well I mean I might have missed something as to why he didn't play in the Scottish Cup final I don't know if there was an injury or anything associated with that but I remember being on on the podcast with Jim Orr um, the week before the Cup final and he said if Barkas doesn't play that's it for him Mm-hmm. And I would have had I would tend to agree. You know, if if he just didn't play because Lennon didn't want to play him, then I don't understand his his switch attitude now unless there's been some sort of words behind the scenes about, you know, you know, whether from higher up in the club they've said they've said exactly that. They've said, We've spent five million on this guy, you have to play him. Mm-hmm. Um in which case it doesn't bode well for Lennon um because you're getting Non football people involved in football and decisions, but that's all speculation on my part. I don't have any evidence of that, but it's kind of trying to deduce what the reasoning is. It's the only reason I can think he's made a switch between the Scottish Cup final and now.
3: Listen, I'm glad you brought it up because it is a possibility and as you say it's speculation but um, the man who deals with all non-football matters may have had a word in Neil Lennon's ear. That would be very interesting indeed and as you say it does not bode well for Neil Lennon because it takes us back to just a few weeks ago when when there was protests outside Celtic Park and people were frustrated with the way that uh, this interference had, you know, actually interfered with the football side of things in terms of signings and you know, players being brought in that the manager clearly didn't have much say in. Um, I don't think Neil Lennon has ever said that, but obviously Brennan Rodgers alluded to it. And there was issues with Brennan Rodgers not getting the players that he wanted: Castagne, John McGinn, famously or infamously. Um, so, yeah, I hope it's not. It's just that these things aren't as uh, magnified Laura when things are going better when the the wins are coming in they're not as magnified so I'm glad you brought it up because I I do think you still need to focus on anything that's going wrong I mean these protests were just a few weeks ago Um, a few wins domestically doesn't you know wash all that away I mean tomorrow we win the game tomorrow 10 in a row is back on I wouldn't have it any other way for anyone to suggest otherwise, turning the rose back on if we win tomorrow. But all these issues that people were protesting about just a few weeks ago still exist at the club.
2: Yeah, I think the only thing that's changed in the last few weeks is the the statement that came out, I think either end of November, start of December, suggested they were going to look at Neil Lennon's situation again in January. He's He's done enough to suggest that they're not going to have to review that. And I think barring a major collapse again between now and the end of the season. He's here till the end of the season, so that kind of takes away an element of speculation and uncertainty that was floating around uh, the club in general, as well as yeah. the team not playing well. So that's one aspect that has changed. But like you say, my concerns about the management team and about the way that things are being run are not any better than they were six weeks ago. Because you don't, you don't change. He don't change the problems that we were talking about in six weeks, certainly not without some major changes in personnel. So I think, you know, we've got to we've got to be positive and we've got to enjoy the wins when they come and try and keep keep alive the hope that, that ten is going to come. But um but yeah, I think still at the end of the season there needs to be a major uh, review and a major sort of uh consideration. I still don't see Neil Lennon being manager next season, if anything. You know, if if the ten doesn't come, he's probably going to go anyway. If the ten does come, I think there's still going to be an attitude that well, he's 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 got his quadruple treble. He's he's taking us over the line with the ten. He can't really take us any further than that. Certainly not in Europe anyway, from what the evidence suggests. So so there's no reason to keep him either way.
3: Well, the, the big thing for me with regards to Neil Lennon is I'm very aware, Laura, of the fact that we do the bulletin every single day, we watch every single game and we analyse every nuance of Celtic Football Club. So when things aren't going well, uh, you comment on them as you are feeling. And, you know, if I did say anything in relation to Neil Lennon that I regretted, then I would say it, but I don't. I don't actually regret anything that I said uh, in relation to the team's performance, the the poor tactical uh, ability of the coaching staff to change games in match. Um, And obviously the whole season seemed to be derailing uh, during that period of 12 games, 2 wins. Um, And that doesn't change. But yes, I will also give them credit when when the club are doing well. But even if we do pull this back, and it'll be a monumental comeback for Celtic to win 10 in a row, Kieran Tierney thinks we're going to do it by the way Um, it will be a monumental comeback and you know it would be great it would be absolutely phenomenal I still think a change should be made at the end of the season regardless it would be the perfect time for Celtic to make that change because we are going to have to rebuild and there's going to be a lot of structural changes required Um, Kieran Tierney just uh, whilst I've mentioned uh, KT uh, obviously still running about with Celtic badges on his shin pads and stuff like that so he comes out and he speaks about um, how he regrets the fact that he didn't get a chance to work with Neil Lennon longer and he still thinks that Celtic will win the 10 Mm -hmm. Um, Will I ask you after the game tomorrow or do you want to commit just now Laura is it still there? I mean I'm not getting carried away after a few results
2: I I think too much hinges on tomorrow to be honest to say right now whether it's going to happen because I, I do believe if we win, it's certainly on anything other than that, and it's not so that that's that's as much sitting on the fence as I'm willing to do. I think if we win tomorrow, we can certainly do it um but but it'll it'll depend on that I think. <sighs>
3: Mr Briggs, uh, thank you for continually getting involved in the broadcasts uh, you're watching on YouTube and if you are watching on YouTube, remember to subscribe, not only do you get a Celtic State of Mind content, you got other things, so last night Laura, leading up to the Bells for the new year, we had our second live acoustic session with a young Scottish artist called Joshua Grant, now Joshua's a Dundee United fan, don't hold it against them um, go and watch that acoustic session it was excellent and I think we're going to hear a lot more about that young man in 2021 but please do subscribe and Mr Briggs says mind when Barry Robson cleaned out Christian Daly with his elbow a minute into the game back in 2008 Robbo was good at letting them know we were up for a fight I brought that up for a a couple of reasons firstly we've mentioned on here a couple of times Laura um, the great turnaround of the the season when Robson and Paul Hartley come back into the the Celtic midfield under Gordon Strachan and it was pivotal to Celtic winning the league. There's been some uh, reflection on that season and comparisons made with the Turnbull-Sorwell introductions. I mean, it would be massive, of course it would be massive, for um, such a change and and, uh, such an influence to be made on Celtic's fortunes this season. Do you think it's going to be as big as that for Sorrow and Turnbull?
2: I would like to think so, because um, the impact of Robson and, and Hartley back then was... Are absolutely unbelievable. I was a, I was a season ticket holder at the time. And I remember thinking initially when they brought, they brought them in just because of the nature of player that both Hartley and, and Robson are that I thought, you know, how, how is this going to make the difference? But it's about identifying where the weakness is. And in that case, we just didn't have enough grit in, in midfield. We didn't have enough uh, players willing to stick a foot in, I think, at that time. Because you were talking about players like, um, Nakamura and things like that, who as classy as they were, that could provide um that could provide moments of magic. They didn't have the physical presence that was required, and so bringing Robson and Hartley in uh w- was the correct decision. It's almost the same, but exactly opposite with sorrow and, and Turnbull. You were you were needing a bit more creativity, you were needing a bit more guile, a wee bit more um ability from certain people in the midfield to to create chances and and. I think Sorrow gets unfairly labelled as this kind of, uh, engine room midfielder that's only there to break up the play. He's a much more well-rounded footballer than that. And I think him and Turnbull have, have, have brought out a different side to the attack. Um, and, and so even though the impact that Robson and Hartley would have had is different to the impact that, that Turnbull and Sorrow will have, it's about identifying where the weaknesses are in the team and making those changes. And I think in both cases, that's exactly what's been done.
3: Mm. One final point, actually, on Turnbull, before I go to Mark's comment, which leads on from what you were saying, Laura. And by the way, it would be pretty mind-blowing, but uh, would it, Would it, I reckon it's beyond the realms of possibility for the Celtic board to dictate who plays in the team? Mm, I don't think so. And I think most I, I people...
2: I don't think anybody's thinking that, that, you know, higher. I, I think this would happen at most clubs, to be honest. If, I remember it happened with, um, Fernando Torres at Chelsea back in the day. You were talking about much, much bigger sums of money at that time. But I think it's not necessarily to do with the club dictating what players play because of the way they perform or, or anything like that. It's very much tied to the financial aspect of the players that have been brought in and if the board have outlaid a relatively large amount of money on a player they're going to want to see that at least he's given the opportunity. Again like I say, I have no evidence of that. That's just something that I thought might be the case because of Lennon's sort of very quick change of mind in the way that he was treating the Barker situation.
3: Yeah, definitely. There's a few other interesting points here on Barcas he's played in big and intimidating games in Greece, says the FM boy against the likes of PAOK Panathinaikos, Olympiakos granted he's been poor but he has experienced enough for this fixture and uh, Kieran McClement says that you don't become a Greek international without some decent performances. When one of the best uh, Greek internationals I've ever seen was uh, particularly good against Rangers um, at Ibrox, and that was Big Samaras. And, um, you know, I, I was a fav- he was a favourite of mine. Laura was Samaras I know that he divided opinion I yeah. just think with games with with games and understanding the, the centre-halves in front of him I think Barkas will slowly come into his own and I said earlier it would be good for him to have a big performance but if he does have a big performance that means we'll be on our our uh, back foot a fair bit I think it's going to be a topsy-turvy game I think there's going to be goals um, at both ends and I'm I'm actually predicting 3-2 Celtic Laura I'm going to try and pin you down to a prediction yourself
2: I definitely see us conceding at some point, um, but given the way that we've been scoring and things like that, I would, I would anticipate us, as, as scoring a fair few goals if we can get out the traps quickly. So I'm going to go for 3-1. Um, I think we, could, I think if we rattle them enough, we can do that. And just to go back to Kieran's point quickly. Yes, you must have put in some decent performances to become an international player. But I can think of one particular Brazilian defender that we've had in the past <laughs> that got a cap, and there was no evidence that he deserved that. So you know, you can't you can't base you have to you have to judge players based on what you see in front of you. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. And and regardless of their record, if they're not playing well for you, then you have to you have to make decisions based on that.
3: Rafael, you know I I know we don't do as many interviews as we used to on A Celtic State of Mind but that would be an interesting one I wonder what his English is like Rafael shite Uh,
2: I I really would I would be interested to speak to him just to see you know has he has he been given a totally unfair reputation as far as because we don't know what goes on behind closed doors or, or was it a situation of you know he was caught on a video or there was that you know Brazilian cap tax or whatever you're talking about you just Assumed that because he had a cap for Brazil, he was going to be decent. But you know, it, it would certainly make an interesting interview, that's for sure.
3: I've spoken to a few people Laura, who were at Celtic at the time, and I've asked them about his ability on the training pitch. They all say that he was he was up to scratch. Um, he, you know, and they're of the view that you don't get to that level unless you are up to scratch. There was obviously loads of issues surrounding that move. Um, and I think looking back at the old Celtic views, which I still do sadly, um, as soon as he came in, he, he got hit with appendicitis, food poison. There was there was a lot of stuff that happened that prevented him from getting right into training. Mm-hmm. Then he had to learn the lingo, and uh, and then it just didn't get started. Then I mean, within the midst of the John Barnes, Al Gleece season, yeah. it's it's not the best time to be at Celtic in any case. Uh, Martin O'Neill comes in. There's a famous story that. Uh, and I think it's actually a, a myth that he took Shite's uh, squad number and started wearing at 31. But people have shown me that um, there's pictures of uh, Martin O'Neill at Leicester with the same squad number on his jersey. So a nice story, but probably not true. Yeah. Um, the other thing I was going to say before we wrap up on this New Year's Day bulletin, Laura, is the Turnbull situation in terms of Christy getting all the stick about his corners, and rightly so. Because, I mean, we win a lot of corners, particularly domestically. And when you've got the height of Julien Ayer and Duffy um, in the box, I mean, they they could be vital uh, in a game like tomorrow. And the issue that we had was the delivery simply wasn't good enough. What we've now seen since introduction of Duffy, uh, sorry, Turnbull, is that he's taking the corners from the left, Christie on the right. Every corner's an inswinger. And that's a new tool. That's a new weapon that actually up until now we've not had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's going to be massive tomorrow against Rangers.
2: It'll have to be because, um, you know, we have to take every opportunity that we can, whether it's actually outfield play that... that- provides us with chances or or set pieces and corners and things like that. We can't afford to have any weak part of our game when it comes to creating chances. And, and like you say, we've gone so long where we've not had a recognised free kick taker with Griffiths being out the team and, and, and nobody really seeming up to scratch. So to have a situation where you might be end up going into the game tomorrow with both Griffiths and Turnbull on the part. You've got a left-footed and a right-footed player, both there, who can provide set pieces that would rival anybody in the country. So, um I... I- Unfortunately for Christie, I think you just have to admit when there's somebody better there to to do the job than you. And um, we talked about it at the Scottish Cup final. He, Christie seemed to take a lot of the set pieces against Hearts in the first half, and then all of a sudden came out in the second half. And Turnbull was taking everything because Christies had, had provided nothing. So um, we just need to we just need to go with who's the strongest at each role. And if, if Turnbull is going to be the one that provides set pieces that cause a real danger, then that's who we have to go with.
3: One final point, Laura, before I let you get off to enjoy the 1st of January. It's a a slightly shorter bulletin, but we felt it necessary uh, on the eve of the Celtic Rangers game. Mattis Faction uh, on YouTube, the Green Brigade, need to adapt Sunshine on Leaf for Sorrow. They need to get a song for them. Uh, You know, there's a few that could be used. I guess Sorrow by David Bowie being an obvious choice as well. But uh, obviously, Sorrow himself likes Sunshine on Leaf, so I'm sure the creative chaps at the Green Brigade are. able to put something together Laura Um, here's hoping tomorrow is a massive turning point I said to Kevin the other day I feel that what we've done in the last six games has got us out of rut I don't think it's a turning point I think it's got us out of that rut but we need a result in a game like tomorrow Um, and once that you know that final whistle blows I hope we are celebrating tomorrow I will be joined by Anthony Haggerty who is an excellent guest who comes in from time to time uh, on the Axon bulletins? It would be great to, to speak to him about the game. Uh, very knowledgeable about the game is Anthony, so I'm looking forward to that. And Laura, I will catch up with you next week uh, again for your thoughts on hopefully what has been a victory against Rangers. All that's left for me to say is thank you everybody for joining us on the 1st of January. Um, have a great 2021. I'm sure it'll be better than 2020. And thank you, Laura Bradburn once again for joining me on a Celtic Statement.
2: Yes, come on the boys in green. <laughs>
1: at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.